Welcome to the third episode of the Mobile Belgium Germany Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is a Canadian who, as a special treat, I am letting inspect dog's genitals and nipples right now, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This was a very odd episode. <laughs> Hypnotists and uh, a lot of dogs. I know we say this a lot about Devil Belgi, and I don't know whether it's because Natalia's subtitles were slightly delayed because of Easter, obviously, which we knew about. So we have we had sort of auto-generated subtitles from Jack as well to help us with this episode. And it was just a little bit odd. It felt like a fever dream at some points. I'm mainly thinking of the hypnotism challenge, because that has really split the audience, I would say. Never have I seen a Demel Belgi challenge that has split the audience in terms of opinions like the hypnotism challenge has. Have you ever been to a hypnot- hypnotist show, Michael? I was going to get into this. Hypnotism is utter horseshit. <laughs> the fact that people actually believe that someone can put you in a trance and make you bark like a dog is nonsense. How about you? <laughs> Uh, we had a hypnotist for our high school, for the our super grad at the end of high school. So we had a hypnotist at about, the show started at about 2, 2.30 in the morning. And then it was like it was like the very last thing that, that they held at our high school at night. Because that's where, I don't know if they still do this in a lot of places in North America or Europe for high schools. Because I, I know ours kind of stopped doing it, I think a couple of years after I graduated. So that'd be about, well, I graduated about 12 years ago now. But uh, what a lot of high school used to do, or may still do, is after you do your grad ceremony and you have your banquet and your uh, prom, you go back to your high school in the evening. And usually you have to raise quite a bit of money during the year for this. Then uh, everybody is is locked in at the, at the high school from about 8 p.m. till about... 5 a.m. and they usually have a bunch of different activities for you to do like we had fire dancers and we had all these things set up in the gym and then at the very end the very last thing was uh was a hypnotist from about 2 30 till about yeah like 4 30 in the morning we had people people in our grad class be hypnotized and doing really really weird things on stage right we are getting a massive insight into Canada here, I think. So do you believe in hypnotism? To a degree, I guess. It's like a pseudoscience, so that's... It's kind of like that in those Victorian novels, you know, like Trilby and stuff, so... You know, you're going to get into a whole discussion about Svengali and things like, things like that. Yeah, I understand the whole people believing in mysticism generally thing. But hypnotism has always kind of felt a bit a bit hokey to me. It just relies on people believing that there aren't plants in the audience, which there are, and that that people are actually susceptible to being mind fucked for want of a better term. Because it's manipulation, it's it's nothing more than that, I would say. But you have to be the right sort of person to believe it, which is Skipping slightly ahead, why I think those three people were picked. I think in the uh, in the application process, they probably did psychological tests with them, and those three were the most likely of the remaining eight to fall under the spell of a hypnotist, for want of a better term. Yeah, to quote-unquote buy into it. Yeah, to be susceptible to it. Like Samina, on paper you would say Samina obviously believes in hypnotism. That is not a shock. 
more surprised by Leonard than than Noah, because Noah, as we found out in episode one, does believe in in all that sort of stuff as well. I think one of his topics in uh, in the special Hulk challenge was uh, was something to do with sort of pseudosciences. I think. Yeah, you got well. I mean, that's natural that they had to pick three very specific people for it. Yeah, but I'm more surprised that they think that Leonard was going to be susceptible to it than anything, because he's my mole at the moment still. Spoilers for the end of the episode, and I think that may be the reason he was in there because, on paper, it does not seem like the sort of thing he should have been picked for. Since he's such a scientific guy, talking about oxa oxa axolotls. Oxalatels, yeah. <laughs> well, um, if you think back to this episode, Yasmin said, yeah, Leonard doesn't believe in any of that nonsense. And then he's the only one who, you know, does end up falling foul of the nonsense. Yeah, that part stuck out to me too, that he was, it's like, hmm, you'd expect, out of all three, you know, out of everybody in the cast, you'd expect him to be the least likely out of all eight people to be unable to do that poem. Yeah. So, previously, the candidates split up into Classics, where they did their own version of Carpool Karaoke, and Classical, where they tried to avoid the note diabolique whilst playing a bark piece on piano. When they reunited, they had to transport wine down a hillside to varying degrees of success, before facing off in two cars to save themselves from a double execution. Both teams pushed the button, but Katrine, Yasmin, and a lot of Lennis and Samina saved themselves from execution, sending Kevin and Dami from the other car home. And we begin, as seems to be traditional now with the mole, with a eulogy for the people who've gone. Not content with ending the last episode with it, we also have a little bit of eulogy here whilst they're driving to Munich. Annalotta says she felt a strong coolness from Kevin when he saw the other car had pushed the button. Did they mention Demi once? No, no, it was all about Kevin. <laughs> nobody, nobody suspected Demi at all. It was literally just Kevin, which is pretty much how we were feeling as well, to be fair. Yeah, it's just funny because it's like there were two. Yeah, they were eulogizing, but I'm pretty sure there were two people executed and not just Kevin. It's like, oh yeah, Dammy too. Dammy was gone too. But poor Kevin, my God. <laughs> I've not got the numbers to hand, but I think Kevin was as many people's first suspects as Noah was as many people's last suspects. <laughs> A lot of people on first suspicions this week did very well. Because Noah was their bottom suspect, or tenth suspect, and Jens was their last one. Yeah, it's a bummer that that uh, Noah had to go this week. He was a freebie. He was essentially just a free pass for everyone to get through to the next round because nobody suspected him. Katrine says she felt very sorry for both. Yasmin said they were all shocked. Both she and Lennart had him as their number one suspect. And as I said, they are driving to Munich. And they arrive when it is late. There is a note waiting for them from Jill saying that. Episode 3 is an important stop in the journey, as someone will be joining the group. <laughs> and immediately, before you see anything else in this episode, you go, oh my god, they're going to bring back one of the intruders, aren't they? They're going to bring back Jens and give him a proper chance. Nope. It's much more fun than that. <laughs> so the opening quote this week is an Einstein quote. It's, es gibt nix schöneres als das Mysterious. There is nothing more beautiful than the Mysterious. Oh, I thought you were just casting a spell. No, I'm not trying to hypnotise you through my voice at the moment. That will come. So it's day seven in Munich, and they are playing ping pong outside. Philip is rocking out to music on his headphones. He's listening to the song Breeze Blocks by Alt-J. Alt-J? Alt-J from, from Vidum, Georgia? Not Alt-J Goulson, Alt-J. <laughs> 
Oh, that's such a disappointment. I totally thought it was all Che. I would have loved it if he was rocking out like that to the dulcet tones of Olche running a season. To Olche saying, I love money. <laughs> to a mixtape of all of Olche's best put-downs for people. It's just all auto-tuned or something? No, it's, it's a hypnosis tape. It's Olche makes you lose weight. She just sits there in front of the microphone and goes, Stop being such a fatty. Put that food down. Step away from the cooker. So at breakfast, they discuss who could actually be joining them. And for some reason, Philip thinks that it's former Belgian footballer Jean-Marie Faf. That's so random. It's so random. I feel like Philip has probably discussed his obsession with Jean-Marie Faf before, but we just haven't seen any of it. And I mean, nothing is as random as Willie Summers was last season, let's be honest. I was about to say, like, you should have just said that. Well, he was on the Grease season. It's like, man, I really wish that Will. Yeah, I think we're gonna do something with Willie Summers, and everyone just laughs at him. Oh, I was right all along. Maybe Willie Summers should just be a guest on every season. They just bring Willie Summers every time just to make sure. He can't be doing much during COVID. He can't hold any concerts. Maybe he's doing uh, live streams. Live streams, yeah. Maybe he's going live on Instagram every week and doing uh, requests for people. I'm sure he is. All of his greatest hits, like that one, you know, you know the one that goes, nah, 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 that one. I'm sure he does that one each week. With Vidim Czechia, they still had teams staying in hotels. Or actually, when when was Vidim and Demol filmed? Were they both filmed relatively the same time? Yeah, it's pretty much the same time. I think Belgia, I have been trying to find out the filming dates for this. Episode 3 definitely filmed sometime in the first week of October because that is when the hypnotist was in Germany. He has posted a few pictures of him at Sleeping Beauty Castle and things. So he was in Bavaria roughly between about the 1st and the 8th of October. We know for a fact that the season started in September, so this must have filmed maybe about 2nd, 3rd of October, I guess. Okay, because I noticed the differences is that with Vidim Czechia, they still had teams staying in hotels and not having to cook their own meals. And here it's like the contestants in the mole in the mole for this season all have like their own Airbnb for these few days because they're cooking the meals themselves. There's no one else really around. It's like they just get to live in a house in a house somewhere in Munich. I think it's more the attitude of the show itself as well, because Belgium does have a history of giving them a house of some description and letting them cook for themselves and clean for themselves and enjoy each other's companies rather than segregating them into hotel rooms or or anything like that or having them rely on other people. It adds to sort of the adventure of the show and it feeling like a holiday for these people with an added bit of sabotage in the challenges and things. Yeah, they do do that each season where they get their own little house sometimes. I'm, I'm thinking back to Argentina where they started doing that. To, they, had, they did it at the start and end of the season. But here with, with the, the Germany season here and during COVID comes a bit more blatant when it's been like this every episode. Yeah, the other element of this is the fact that Munich is the first place they've been to this season where I have been to. So I have a little bit of, not local knowledge because I was only there for a few days, but they wouldn't have been able to get a hotel in the outskirts of Munich, more than likely. It would have been either put them in a hotel in the middle of Munich and risk them coming into contact with a lot of people because Munich's a very busy city, or give them a house on the outskirts rent an airbnb or whatever so 
from a COVID point of view, it makes sense, but it's not like they've really changed anything for COVID. It's just that Muse Munich would be a lot tougher. Oh, even like to enforce COVID protocols, Munich would be one of yeah. the tougher places to do it. Of the places we know they go, Munich is definitely up there in terms of the toughest places for them to actually make COVID proof. So it makes a lot of sense for them to do a house on the outskirts of Munich. I don't know how far outside of Munich they were. I don't think they were very far outside of Munich, but they would have had a, a house, an Airbnb or something. Because it it makes sense from their point of view as well, because it means that it just fosters a good atmosphere in the group. If they're all living with each other and actually enjoying each other's company outside of the challenges, rather than just sitting in a hotel room with one or two other people. Although Philip would have been able to listen to his music a bit more in peace, though, if they were at a hotel. Yeah. And not have everyone be like, what are you listening to? Why are you listening to a contestant from Vidim, Georgia? That's so weird, Philip. Why are you listening to Olche's self-help tapes? You're going to buy yourself some stilettos? Is that what you're doing? You're going to buy some stilettos from eBay? Are you going to give someone a makeover? Stop them looking so frumpy? <laughs> why, are you, why are you naming your granddaughter uh, Stine? So Jill rings them on their mobile that they've been provided with and divides them, saying Samina, Noah, and Lennart are summoned to the Rationale Theatre in Munich, and the other group will have to choose two people who enjoy people-watching and three who want to have a walk in the park. And he doesn't even get to say goodbye to them because Samina hangs up on him mid-goodbye. <laughs> yep, see it. Got all the information. Bye-bye, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> so Yasmin and Katrine quickly volunteer to people watch, leaving Philip, Sven, and Annalotta to have their walk in the park. At the Rationale Theatre, Samina, Noah, and Lennart must pick a mini-challenge each. The first is eat this plate as soon as possible. The second is keep your eyes open as long as possible. And the third is plank as long as possible between two tables with one leg in the air. They volunteer Samina to eat, Noah to keep his eyes open, and Lennart to plank. I don't think I'd want to do any of those three challenges. Now, which one would you have picked out of those three? If I had to pick one, I guess I would probably choose the planking one. I know I would be terrible at keeping my eyes open. Too much time spent on computers over the past 20 years means I'd probably blink very quickly, I think. Yeah, I think if you think about this challenge as a game theory one, if you're just given mini challenges, you're probably going to end up having to try and beat. So you pick the one that you're going to be worst at, but you can redo. So I would say that is easily keep your eyes open or plank. I would not volunteer to eat half a lemon at all, because that would be unpleasant. Even if you were convinced that it tasted like peaches in the end. Yeah, you'd be making a sour face for quite a while. Yeah, I think I probably would lean towards planking, but keeping your eyes open, if you work out that the challenge is going to be beat your own time, keeping your eyes open is probably the easiest to do that with, because you've got the most control of the three in that one. So Samina has to eat half the lemon, and she does it in two minutes and two. Noah has to keep his eyes open for as long as possible without blinking, and that's two minutes and eight, he sets. I think I would I think I'd have a tough time beyond 20 seconds, so I was, I was very, very shocked to see that time. I was thinking... How is that possible? Yeah, two minutes and eight is a very good time as a base time. He does end up beating it, but it's genuinely impressive he managed to keep his eyes open for over two minutes. Yeah, I could not. I could never do that. There was a brilliant task on... I know I keep mentioning uh, this show because you really should watch it. There was a brilliant task on Taskmaster a couple of years ago, which was, don't blink, your time starts in ten seconds. So... Um, 
the various ways of people not blinking. And I think I think the winner ended up doing it for about 40 minutes. It was something ridiculous, because I know it was redone on the one of the Scandinavian ones, and someone lasted like an hour and a half without blinking. How? Your dice would dry out, wouldn't they? Just being competitive, I think. Like, it's genuinely impressive efforts, but I'm not sure I could keep my eyes open for more than two minutes. So kudos to Noah for that, if he somehow ends up listening to this. Obviously, we care about him less because he's not in the final three, so we'd never have a chance to talk about him. Yeah, this'll be... this'll be it. (laughs) This episode's gonna be it for Noah mentions. After this, we will never mention Noah again. At least till the eulogize him at the start of the next episode. Did any of you suspect him? Nah, nah, nah. None of us suspected him. Okay. So yeah, Noah has to keep his eyes open, and he lasts two minutes and eight, and then Leonard has to plank between two posts, whilst keeping his leg in the air. He really suffers, but ends up lasting two minutes fifty-three. And they are joined by a hypnotist called Patrick Picard. He's hypnotizing them to be better, and if they beat their individual times, they'll earn two hundred and fifty euros each. You think there'd be a financial incentive for that guy too? If he can get them to do better than they did before, then he should earn some money as well. I suspect he was probably getting paid. <laughs> Given that this filmed in COVID times, he was probably glad of any money he got. Maybe he could have put it towards buying some real glasses. I, I really wish he would have added an extra letter onto his last name so he could be Patrick Picard. Just bring out uh, Patrick Stewart, just in case. Yeah. I, I, I was going to do an impression. I'm like, actually, I haven't seen any Star Trek, so I don't even know what to say as an impression. <laughs> now, Saunders, you need to do a Patrick Stewart impression now. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. I'd only be able to like think of, say, Mister X from, uh, uh, from X Men. You mean Professor Xavier? <laughs> yeah, Mister X is Homer Simpson's mysterious character that exposes secrets. Yeah, I meant Professor X. It's getting close to Mister F from Arrested Development. Mister F. So Samina so is hypnotized to believe that lemons taste like peaches, and she completes her challenge in fifty seconds. Noah is hypnotised to just look at a point indefinitely, and he beats his time with 2 minutes and 18. And Leonard is hypnotised to believe he's completely made of steel, he's wearing Adidas trainers, and he gives up after two and a half minutes and earns no money. They are then hypnotised again, he makes their bodies feel heavier every time he touches them, and they curl up on the floor, and he gets them to slap their foreheads, pretending there is a mosquito there. The thing I wanted to mention with this challenge is the fact that there was a very short-lived game show over here called You're Back in the Room, which was pretty much this this idea. It was, as a group, you have to complete challenges, but you've been hypnotised to do a party quirk from uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, basically. And it's just the most ludicrous idea for a, a game show ever, I think. Purely because you have such a limited contestant pool of people who are actually susceptible to hypnosis, which I'm pretty sure I'm not one of. I'm fully aware by saying this, it will come back to bite me eventually. But I just got flashbacks with this. I love the hypnotism challenge. I'm definitely on the this is hilarious side rather than this is the worst challenge I've ever done. Because as Bindle said to me yesterday, do these people not remember there was literally a challenge in Argentina of sniff everyone else's sweaty clothes and work out whose it is? This is by no means the worst challenge that Belgium Mall have ever done. It's just, I would say, the most divisive challenge that Belgium Mall have ever done. There are a lot of people who really like it, like me. I like it because it is utterly ridiculous and hilarious and I can mock it mercilessly. There's a lot of people who think that it's a very stupid challenge and pointless. Probably because I'm going to 
I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there may be, may or may not be some religious beliefs that 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 come come with that. Because usually more hardcore religious people are going to be very anti-hypnotism. I don't know whether it's that. I think it's just there's a lot of people who think that hypnotism is stupid, <laughs> whether they're religious or not. There's a lot of people who go, well, how can you even be susceptible to that? How can you even be susceptible to being mindfucked like that? Having said that, take a look at like the past four or five years in world politics and all that sort of stuff and you go yeah people believe anything but for me i've never believed that hypnotism works i think it is a con more than anything but yeah i can see why there isn't there were enough people online saying oh this is a really dumb challenge i mean it's a stupid challenge but it's good for us to talk about we've spent far longer on this than i expected us to i'll be honest I couldn't imagine trying to eat half a lemon in 50 seconds. I don't even want to imagine how my how my mouth would feel after that. <laughs> yeah. So, Philip, Annalotta, and Sven head to the Olympia Park. Been there. There are 10 dogs waiting for them. They have to walk the dogs, and there are too many challenges along the way, each worth a thousand euros, and they have to return to the start point within an hour. I think it's fair to say that Sven is not a big animal lover. No. <laughs> he did not seem comfortable in that challenge. In three episodes, we've really come up against a lot of things that Sven is not comfortable with. Physical contact, animals. He just really does not like dogs. It's like anything that involves having a human heart uh, is not upset Sven's alley. <laughs> Any sort of like emotional connection to anything is just, it's just not his will forte. So Sven is the least comfortable with dogs. But he doesn't want to walk around the park for an hour with a small dog dressed in pink. One of Philip's then makes a break for it, even before the time has properly started. Katrine and Yasmin head to the fun fair nearby. They have to match the dogs to their owners for €100 Euros per owner. One of the dogs does not have an owner, and if they identify that dog, then they will earn all €1,000. Euros. And that means that they need detailed descriptions of the dogs from the other three. I love this idea... I love it even more because I've done a little bit of research given that I've been to the Olympia Park. I do love an Olympic stadium whenever I go to a city, I think as we have previously discussed. That funfair was actually put on for Oktoberfest. That funfair is not normally there. So that really dates when they filmed this and also explains why there was a group of people later in the episode dressed in lederhosen and dandles. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. But yeah, this this entire funfair just rolled into Munich for um, for Oktoberfest by the look of things. Including the Ferris wheel, including everything like that. It didn't get cancelled during COVID. I'm very surprised. Because there's a lot of, like, stadia there, obviously, given that it's the Olympic Park. They've just got rid of the velodrome from the 1972 Olympics to replace it with another, like, big concert venue thing. I think the swimming pool's still there as well, or it was when I went there. But yeah, they kind of took over the plazery area between the um, between the stadia to um, to put a funfair there just for Oktoberfest. So Yasmin ends up just asking Philip to pass on Annalotta as he can't communicate with her. And as I said, Katrine does stop a group dressed in lederhosen and dandles to see if they actually own dogs. Nope, they're just from Bavaria. And after 15 minutes, they do find the first owner, which is the one wearing a red tie. They find the Adidas owner shortly after. 
in their first mini challenge, the dog walkers have to match the right name to the right dog. If they succeed, they will earn 100 euros per dog. And it ends up with them just shouting random names to dogs and seeing if anything reacts. They had the worst strategy trying to figure out which dog was who. Because they was it Analot. Uh, Analot's idea was to have a cookie. <laughs> and said, okay, I'm going to call one of the names and I'm going to have this cookie out. But all the dogs went towards the cookie because it's a cookie. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they said, okay, we're going to throw the stick, then call one of the dog's names to go get it. I'm thinking, I just feel like these are two terrible strategies. If you throw a stick for a ball, every dog is going to want to chase it. Also, I've just um, I've just Googled whether there is a religious objection to um, to hypnosis, just out of interest, because I'd never, never heard that theory before. Um, it seems in most major religions there isn't. Maybe sort of in your hardcore bits of America, but really not in most of the world by the look of things. Oh. That's very interesting. In fact, there's an article I've just found that says uh, that Roman Catholics, the Anglican Church, and Lutherans uh, actively support and utilize hypnosis in helping cure ills. Oh, I didn't know that. No, neither did I. I learned something about hypnosis today. Yeah. I just thought it was a really interesting theory because I sort of saw where you were going with it and thought, hmm, that holds water, but I've never actually heard that theory before. Well, it, it held zero water. It's an empty bucket. It held absolutely zero water. <laughs> it's dry. It's like a it's like a drought. How would you have dealt with the matching the dog names, Sask? Well, I guess I would try to match it based on appearance and see if I could feel out the dog's names that way. I wouldn't have it in one big group of ten. I'd probably want to divide up, say, two or three dogs and just try to keep calling the one dog's name to see if their tail starts wagging or if there's a head tilt or some sort of acknowledgement. I certainly want to be like, oh, here's a cookie for Isidore. Isidore, do you want this cookie? Oh, you're all named Isidore all of a sudden. <laughs> Katrina and Yasmin find Germany's answer to Elle Woods and take a photo. Yeah, I wrote that too. I'm like, what's Elle Woods doing in Munich? <laughs> she is such a stereotype. I know the dog was described as legally blonde anyway, and I think it is actually the uh, the sort of dog she has in the film, Legally Blonde. It is, it is, yes. But yeah, they couldn't have made it any more stereotypical than going, you need to compare her to Legally Blonde. Yeah, and there's a woman in an actual pink suit. Is she a lawyer? She could be a lawyer. Maybe she just wore that pink suit as a joke? <laughs> Interestingly, there was a couple of bits around this area of the episode where the camera had dirt on it, which I have never seen on Belgian Mall in six seasons. Maybe the camera operator fell? Yeah, I don't know. There was like black spots coming up at some points, and I'm slightly worried that that may be a hint of some description. Or maybe or maybe it was like very lightly raining? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But it was only in a couple of specific spots, and it happened two, three times during this scene of the episode. Because it wasn't like it was a perfect sunny day or anything could be a day where there was a little bit of light rain no it's october in munich it's not going to be glorious sunshine so they find the fourth owner on the flying chairs the fifth one is dressed as james bond the sixth is on the dodgems and the seventh at the shooting gallery who has an adorable dog because that was the big kind of collie like dog i like how there was just the one guy casually on the merry-go-round just so lonely by himself, yeah. <laughs> no one wants to play with him. 
Yeah, he was just on that carousel by himself. So the second mini challenge for the dog walkers is to weigh all of the dogs and divide it by the number of bitches. Sven is good with maths and gets 112.5 kilos, which is within the acceptable range. As a special treat for working out the maths in such a good fashion, he then has to examine whether the dogs are male or female. A lot of dogs get violated on this part. Yeah, this should have come with some sort of warning, I think. Yeah, this is weird. This was this was weirder than the hypnotism. This is probably the weirdest scene in all of the Mulbelgy, and that is saying something. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think even though I really don't understand hypnotism, I think the scene of Sven examining animal genitals is probably weirder than that. And the fact that the oldest person in the cast is the one who's mo- the most hands-on with this does not make this go any better. No, and the fact that they still end up misgendering one of the dogs. Granted, it was the, the one the one that was Elle Woods's dog. It, it was, but they still, after all that, end up being completely wrong and wasting both their time and a thousand euros for the opportunity for Sven to examine dog genitals. That's what it boils down to. If they'd actually earned the thousand euros out of this, it may have been worth it in the end but I don't think it was. So they count that there are seven bitches in the group, which would make 16.07 the correct number. Analosa thinks that there were six, and is right, so they earn absolutely nothing from the sub-challenge. When they return to Jill with two minutes left, all seven photos are correct, so those seven come and collect their dogs straight away. The other three dogs are left without owners, but one of them doesn't have an owner at all, and can earn them the remaining 300 euros that they missed. Using a clue from Jill which is, think about the Olympics, they identify that one as the Dashund, called Isidore, as the Dashund was the mascot of the games, so earn a thousand euros of a possible thousand for the owners, and a hundred of a possible two thousand for the dog walkers. So, it was Yasmin who got credit for remembering the painting, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, so Yasmin and Katrine earned a lot of money in this challenge. They really did. They had a perfect run. Yeah, especially compared to the other three who did not do so well. They earned, they got one out of 20. 2,000 euros up for grabs, they only got one name tag, right? They got 5% of the possible winnings for their sub-challenges. Yeah, it really dropped down Katrine and Yasmin in my suspect list. I'm thinking, they did really, really well on that challenge. Way better than a regular contestant probably would have. Yeah, but then they do end up, you know... Working that back out in the uh, the last challenge of the episode, shall we say. That's true. So Gilles promised them a new friend, and Isidore will be coming with them for the rest of the trip. I like how everyone's just expecting some sort of really controversial twist, and it's like, no, you just get to have a travel camp, you just get to have a, a pet dog, you get to have your own little mascot for the season. You're getting a dashant. I gotta say, considering even during filming... They already would have been about six, six to about, about seven months into the pandemic, and I think a season that's filmed seven months into the pandemic deserves to have a dog to travel around with the teams. I think that's just bound to lift everyone's spirits up. Here is my absolute delight of the week because I've done a little bit of research on Isidore. Obviously, I'm me. Number one, Isidore is a seven-year-old Dashund who was living with a member of the production, he didn't have an owner before the actors died. After the season, they gave the contestants the option of either adopting him 
or letting him get adopted by someone else, one of the contestants did choose to adopt him. So one of the contestants does now own Isidore. Do we know who? Uh, Annalotta. Oh. Which makes sense, given what we saw in this episode, because she definitely had the best bond with him. The fact that Isidore was owned by one of the members of the production team beforehand kind of negates Samina's claim at the end of this episode that maybe Annalotta owned the dog already. <laughs> yeah. Which was a very interesting theory, and actually, had, had I not heard that, I would have maybe put a bit of uh, a bit of stock into it. The great bit about this, though, is the fact that Play 4 have really ramped it up. They are treating him like a proper candidate. He has got a bio on the website, I believe, hence the fact that we know he's seven. I would not be surprised if in the previously section, you know how they highlight everyone's jobs and stuff. I would not be surprised if we then see Isidore come up in that next week, at least, as a one-episode joke. Because this seems to be the the sort of vibe of the season they're going for. They're going... Three episodes in, I, I would say that they are going to try and keep this season very light-hearted. Mainly because of the pandemic and the fact that it's really dragged everyone down. And they have to film in Germany in October. There are far worse countries to film in than Germany, I would say. Germans are very nice. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about weather-wise. Like, they're not going to be able to hang out at the beach or anything. You're not going to see lots of sunshine. It's not particularly exotic, but me and Bindles were talking about this for the year as a whole. Because of the pandemic, obviously, the travel has been restricted for more seasons this year, and there's been three seasons so far this year. Obviously, we had Czechia for, for Dutch Mole. Obviously, we've got Germany for, um, for Belgian Mole. And uh, Finnish Mole is currently airing in Latvia. And to the best of Bindle's knowledge, this is the first year in Mole history where more than one season has filmed, and all of the seasons that filmed have filmed in brand new places that have never been visited by another season. That's very interesting. Thinking, how can you stretch 12 episodes in Latvia, or 10, or I guess 9 episodes in Latvia? Dutch Mole has done far worse with far smaller countries. Well, I guess what they had El Salvador as a location once. El Salvador and Nicaragua were both great. Um, Dominican Republic is very small. <laughs> Colombia, they didn't do an awful lot of travel. China, they didn't do an awful lot of travel. China was two cities. Which is kind of crazy with how massive China is. I bet they travel more in Latvia than the, uh, they did in the Dutch uh, China season. So, the other five are brought to the theatre for the culmination of the hypnotism task. They have to guess how many of Lennart, Noah and Samina will be able to break their hypnosis when there is money on the line at the end of the show to earn a €1,000 bonus. Annalotta thinks that Lennart is too level-headed, Samina believes in this sort of bullshit, and Noah does too. <laughs> I like how they just openly said, oh, it's like, yeah, they buy in that bullshit, they're gonna do it. Yeah, they're like, Samina was reading about chakras, and Noah believes in the paranormal, so yeah, those two are gonna buy into this, let's just go for two people are gonna break it. So in the theatre, the three are asked whether to drink the pink or the blue drink. They choose to drink from the blue glass. To earn 250 euros, they have to break free of the hypnosis and write down the poem that Patrick reads out to them, word for word. I think Patrick's a fan of the Matrix. The fact that there's a blue drink and a red drink. They were definitely going for a Matrix vibe with this, weren't they? You drink one, you stay in this hypnosis state... And you see how far the rabbit hole really goes, and the red drink brings you back to reality right away. And you're just a lousy contestant on a game show. If they'd just done the hypnotism challenge, I bet they would have believed that uh, Keanu Reeves was going to be their guest for the uh, for the episode. Whoa. I'm, uh, everyone, 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 
Try to write down the poem I'm about to read out to you. So the word blue will make them sleepy and stop writing. When he says it, all three of them keep writing initially. Samina and Noah complete their poems, but Lenart doesn't. That wins them 500 euros for the hypnosis task, plus 500 euros for the ending, plus 1,000 euros for the guess, meaning a total of 2,000 euros of a possible two and a half for the challenge. The only person who lost money in this challenge, can I point out, was Lenart. And I hear the blue drink, this wasn't aired, but but uh, Patrick said the blue drink makes them tip very generously at the end of the show. And the red drink weirdly tastes of peaches, or is it lemon? But most likely peach flavoured. So those three are then introduced to Isidore, and Samina is immediately smitten. Gilles tells them that he's not going to search for them all, but he could be useful, and advises them to teach him how to push the red button that he also gives them. I can't imagine what they're thinking for the next few days. Why do we need to teach a dog how to press the resist red button? What's going to be happening to us? I genuinely cannot wait for the inevitable final challenge of the season where Gilles just gives him the instruction. You've got 10 minutes to get Isidore to press that button to win 5,000 euros for the pot. It's just Sven shouting at the dog. Press it! Press it! Press it, Isidore! Press it! Press it! (laughs) I don't even understand how the mole would sabotage Isidore pressing the button. Short of the mole training Isidore badly... I don't understand how the mole can have any input in in Isidore pushing that button or not. Kind of like how Vidim has a treasure, they now they have to pick a, essentially a trainer for Isidore. And they have to switch it after two days just in case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it never has a steady owner. And the trainer can take money out of the pot. <laughs> so yeah, even Sven is smitten. He's allergic to cats and dogs, but finds Isidore cute. They volunteer Annalotta to be Isidore's trainer. She's sceptical of Sven and Philip and says she has to take control of the dog walking challenge because otherwise it would have been even more of a mess. Katrine says she took the opportunity to keep an eye on Yasmin in the challenge. And Sven thinks that it was suspicious that the UPS owner wasn't found in the park. He's also confused by the general oeuvre of the hypnotist, especially the fact that he only had one leg on his glasses. So they wake up on day 8 in Munich, Isidore gets a lot of attention, and Annalotta and Philip begin to train him. They drive to a paper factory an hour outside of Munich in Gmund am Tegensee for the next challenge. So they will be laying dominoes, and how much they can earn will be determined entirely by how much they can build. The moles split them into pairs the previous evening for this challenge, and there are three stages to the domino runs, 250 euros, 500 euros, and 750 euros, and they can also earn an extra thousand euros per stage with blocks that a 3D printer will create for them. The first pair is Lennis and Annalotta. Each pair can either choose to have the thousand euro block printed or two Passfragen, which will cost the group a thousand euros if they're printed. How would you have played this? Uh, I probably would have just gone for the money. Yeah, I have discussed at length the price that you should be willing to pay for advances in this game. I don't think 500 euros per Passfraga is an acceptable amount to actually spend. I think you're probably looking at 250 euros per Passfraga to to make it acceptable for me. Yeah, because it's just one for each person, right? You're deducting 10% from the pot for each person to get one Passfraga, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a hefty price. (laughs) 
I think you're spending a bit too much if you spend a thousand euros per um just to get one for yourself. Yeah. I should also note as of the end of the previous pair of challenges, the pot is higher than Vidum Czechia. Yeah. And by quite a margin. Yeah, by about two thousand euros and we're only halfway into episode three. I think by the end of this episode the pot is still higher than it got to in Vidum Czechia at any point. Yeah. They only actually topped 10,000 euros once. So Sven and Noah are second, and Sven agrees with me that one pass for Ogden for 1,000 euros is really not enough. Samina and Philip are third, and Samina says she's going for cash. And then Katrine and Yasmin are last. Only three pairs will actually get their items printed. Which pair doesn't is up to the team. And they've got 90 minutes to complete their domino run for a potential prize of 4,500 euros. Two things on the same point here. One, this is one of the most confusing episodes ever to actually keep a track of how much money they can earn in terms of Belgi. It's really difficult at times because of how many sub-challenges there are to pretty much every challenge in this episode. But two, I really appreciate them keeping the maximum amount to a nice even amount. It's been pretty much €10,000 per episode, all three episodes I think so far. And it's really pleasant for me to not have to work out X1141 or whatever it was when... uh, renaissance came along with a stupid stupid challenge (laughs) the one where they could have actually ended up with a pot including 50 cent teams (laughs) so yeah it's really pleasant to see forty thousand euros as the maximum for the season so far by the end of this episode yeah the renaissance one that messed everything up was when they had to carry those stone blocks right yeah it was but yeah i i'm a simple man with simple pleasures, and I really appreciate them not making me say a stupid amount of money at the end of this episode, and just saying out of 40,000. That's a nice level amount. I can live with that. What's funny is when they're all arguing over who took the past Fragon or not, that Analot said, I swear on, Iz- on Izzy that we picked the money. And Philip's like, oh, on Izzy. And everyone's just like, oh, Analot really didn't go for past Fragon. It's the most sacred swear of all. You know how we've been having trouble telling Annalotta and Yasmin apart? Whoever has the dog attached to their hip is Annalot. <laughs> a, it's really helpful having the dog there, because, as you said, we can just tell that it's Annalotta if she's got the dog on her. But B, Yasmin is really, really giving me early reboot Belgian Mole mid-season female boot vibes. She's very confrontational, too. She's a lot more confrontational than Annalot. Yeah, I'm mainly thinking of Isabel and um, and Marseille when I say these things, but I'm getting a lot of like those vibes from Yasmin right now, especially in this episode. Yeah, I could see that. So Philip says he wants him and Samina to be one of the three pairs. He had a strong chance of going home last episode, and Yasmin replies saying that it's not their fault that he's slow at taking tests. This is what I mean about the whole Isabel and Marseille vibe that I'm getting from her. It's not, it's not my, it's not our fault you suck at this game. I could easily imagine Isa turning around to Bruno in um, in Argentina and going, well, it's not my fault you're slow. <laughs> Everyone says that they chose money. Katrine suspects that Sven and Noah went for Passfragen. And Philip and Yasmin don't trust each other after the ending of last episode and them trying to dupe each other in the bunker. Who do you think the other team who took Passfragen was? I don't know. Everyone was so convincing. I think it was Lena and Annalotta from the vibe that I got because I had I was quickly sort of whizzing through the episode again when uh, 
when Natalia uploaded it with her subs today just to get all of the Jill intros and stuff. Yeah, I kept going through, like, did they, they never did say who was the other duo, right? I think we will find out in the reunion. But I got the vibe out of the other pairs that it was probably Lena and Annalotta who took the Passwagon. I don't know, Annalotta swore on Izzy. Yeah, but... I mean, we we can be pretty confident that Sven didn't, because he said one pass frogan isn't enough for 500 euros. So he he's thinking in a Bart way of, I want an advantage, but I'm not going to spend that much money for it. And Samina said specifically she's going for cash. And she was like, Philip, you're not going to change my mind on this. We're going for cash. I like how Philip says that in the cartoon. He's like, I'm, I'm so in so much pain. I really wanted to screw you guys over, but Samina convinced me not to. Yeah. It's like, way to get some trust. Yeah. Gain some trust by telling everyone you lied. So they vote for one pair to enter. Yasmin and Katrine choose Lennart and Annalotta. Philip and Samina choose Sven and Noah. Annalotta and Lennart choose Samina and Philip. And Sven and Noah choose Philip and Samina. So they are sent to the first challenge. And they have 10 minutes to earn the password for their USB. Philip has to throw 10 paper balls into a basketball net on Samina's head. He fails miserably. They swap. And Samina gets the first one in. And when the time runs out, they only have 7 in. So they get no block and no reward. However, when they're doing this challenge, Yasmin also kicks some blocks over to uh, to the group, nearly knocking the entire run out, which is a recurring theme. Yasmin and Katrina are sent to challenge number two. They've got five definitions and have to match them to the common German phrases that are also used in Flemish to earn their password. Philip, being a clumsy oaf, knocks over most of the part between 250 and 500 euros, and Samina does the same between 500 and 750. Philip then stumbles with one block and nearly knocks the entire thing over, and Yasmin and Katrine get all five corrects and earn their reward using the word sabotage. And they printed themselves to pass Fragen, so cost the group a thousand euros. What a fitting password. <laughs> yeah, do you reckon that was deliberate? It could have been. Because we only saw one password, it was um, it was disappointing really, but I would have been very interested to see whether they actually did tip them off with sabotage or teamwork or something. Selfish. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Your password is, what a bitch! So Lennart and Annalotta are sent to the final challenge. One of them has to instruct the other to make an origami dog without being able to see each other. Samina holds Isidore, who nudges a domino with his nose, and although it's very irritating for the team, it's also very cute. I'm not a huge fan of Dashuns, but that was quite adorable. With just over 10 minutes left, they have got the entire 250 euro stage done. Annalotta goes wrong on the folding without Lennart obviously being able to notice. And Philip slips and ruins all of the 500 euros, all of the 250 euros, and the path at the start with just five minutes left. Yeah, half the people are like, we can't rebuild this in five minutes. There's no way. I think at that point you do just do what Sven did and just go, oh, I can't be asked anymore. I'm not going to rebuild this in five minutes. Yeah, if you are if you spent just spent 85 minutes building it, or close to it, and then it's like, oh, now you have five minutes to recreate what it took you 85 minutes to do, it's like, no. <laughs> I do kind of like the idea that they're going to have to do the entire rest of the season with somebody carrying Isidore, though. Isidore's just going to be kind of a canine roadblock for every challenge for them. Except for when they have to catch catch uh, rats or something to ground then It's like, oh, suddenly Isidore's very useful. Except when it's the challenge to hit a button. Yeah, then it's just going to run away. It hates the colour red. So Annalotta and Lennart don't get their password and come back empty-handed. The time runs out and they have absolutely no domino run whatsoever, which she'll teases them about. 
earning them <laughs> minus a thousand euros of four and a half for the challenge, two thousand one hundred of ten thousand for the episode, and ten thousand six hundred of forty thousand for the season so far. Jills is brutal. He just comes back and says, "I would stick with your current hobbies." What a battlefield this is. The main downside, obviously, of it being a season under COVID conditions is the fact that Jill doesn't get as much chance to interact with them and be, let's be honest, a bit of a dick to people. Because we are on record as loving the Jill de Costa dick moments on this podcast. And this is a brilliant one where he just comes back in and goes, well, stick to your normal hobbies, guys, because you cannot build domino runs. And Jill also reveals to them that two pairs chose golden dominoes. Way to create, create distrust in the group, Jills. <laughs> yeah, because he knows that they're going to read between the lines and go, well, if two pairs chose Golden Dominoes, two pairs didn't, and we know who one of those was. But who's the mysterious other pair? So Yasmin defends their decision, saying that there was another pair that lied, which doesn't make their decision any better in my book. Yeah, it's like a second grader, but, but they lied too. It's classic deflection tactics. And as you said earlier, Philip does say that he didn't want to go for the money, but Samina convinced him. And Leonard's like, Leonard just right away says, I don't believe you, Philip. <laughs> so it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes out of the game, except for the mole who can never go home. Katrina and Yasmin, as we've previously discussed, both have a pass Faraga each. Noah says today wasn't a fun day. When he came out of the pot, the mole has done well. Katrina says everything went wrong with the domino game. Everyone messed up. Sven says that the mole doesn't care about password and just taking money out of the pot. If you stamp on dominoes with your big feet or fat fingers, then you did well today as a mole. Philip says that it was difficult to place dominoes. It was a disaster. He says he went all in at the bunker elimination and was arrogant. That was useful hubris, and he has reconsidered his position. Yasmin says she doesn't know if Philip wants to make himself the mole or not, because he's way too flashy. Anna Lotta says that Sven is competitive when they play ping pong, but not in challenges, and she worries she already has tunnel visi. Samina is convinced that Isidore is Anna Lotta's dog in real life, and you can tell that she really knows the dog. And Lennart says Katrine has a steady hand in her job, so should have been the best at dominoes, and wasn't. Gilles tells them that nobody is safe this time, everyone completed the test, and everyone is in danger, apart from the mole, of course. Anna Lotta Lennart and Sven get green screens before Noah is out, confirming to us that Jens was not the mole either. And everyone else is stumped because they said, uh, Noah never really asked anybody for information or questions about positions or backgrounds, so everyone just assumed that Noah was very sure of who the mole was, and he goes home pretty early. I must admit I was happy Noah went, just because... It felt like there would always be that question when Noah was in the season of is Noah the mole? Was Jens the mole? I was obviously 99% sure that Noah wasn't the mole and that Jens wasn't the mole originally. But there's always that doubt, especially with Belgium, where you go, am I being fooled by Gilles de Costa again? So I'm glad we got the answer to that question now. However, from a production standpoint, obviously it's a bad decision because you really want that, that intrigue to be there as long as possible. And it's not the first time that the youngest contest- contestant within the cast goes home super early. And I- actually, well, Demi was also really young. So, yeah, we we lost the two youngest contestants in back-to-back episodes. Yeah. Who's next youngest? Is it Lena? Yeah, and I got him as my number one suspect, so. <laughs> Lena's 25, I think we said last week. 
Yeah, it jumps up quite a bit from Noah's 18. So Noah says he was disappointed, obviously. He focused too much on one person. Philip says he was very sure of himself. He didn't ask Samina any questions about herself. And Jill tells him that he came into the game in the most spectacular way ever. Katrine says that he enjoyed everyone still suspecting him. And Carpool Karaoke was his highlight. Next time, teams play bubble football in the Olympic Stadium. There is mountain biking and a bomb on the table. Sven asks people to believe him. And Lennart hangs like a clown off a zipline. So, who do you suspect, Mr. Saunders? Uh, number one, Lennart. Number two, Sven. Number three, Annalant. Uh, and then the two people who I've essentially ruled out this at this point are Philip and Samina. Philip's sabotage has just been way, he's just way too over the top as a suspect for the past couple episodes. So I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not Philip. Yeah. I'm in two minds about Philip because Gilles made a point at the start of the season saying we never cast anyone who is trying to fake Mole and trying to pretend they are the Mole. And yet it feels like Philip really is trying to do that this season. It feels like a classic misdirection from Gilles. So I don't know what to say about it. He's still in my top three, but my top three is now Lennart, Annalotta, then Philip. And it's purely because I just cannot... I can't get a grasp on Philip. Annalosa was really suspicious for most of this episode, especially if she does end up basically being the trainer for, for Isidore and being in control of that challenge, potentially, when it does crop up eventually. And Lennart... I mean, Lennart was the only one to lose money in, in the theatre challenge. And I'm pretty sure him and Annalosa cost them money, or would have cost them money, in the 3D printing challenge as well. Yeah, that's one of their my top suspects for who picked the pass, Robin. So I feel like those two kind of by default have to be top of the list, especially as she was in the group that lost so much money in the Olympia Park. Yeah, that's why I have Analot and Sven in my top three, especially because Sven's always around when money gets lost. <laughs> he's not a big he's not a big earner. And yeah, I just ruled out Philip because he took all the heat for the failure of the trio for the dog challenge. But then I'm thinking, well, Sven and Analot were there too, so I even put a special category I've ruled out of for Philip for being having too much blame put on him for every time a challenge has gone wrong. And then Sabina consistently brings in money every single challenge. Katrina, I'm on the verge of ruling out, but then she did take the pass fragment with Yasmin. And Yasmin's just so confrontational and competitive that it's can't tell if the, if she's mulling or not. So that's why she's just in the middle of my list. So in First Suspicions, as I said earlier, 12 people had Noah as their bottom suspect left, including both me and you. Two people, me and Jack, had him as number 11 on the initial list, so thank God my bottom suspect is no longer there. Only one person, Matt Garasio, had him at number 1. Lena is still number 1 overall, with 2.71 out of 7 on average, 2.75 for us. Phillips now second at 3.91, then Sven on 4, Yasmin and Katrine both on 4.12, Samina on 4.53 and Analos on 4.62. Philip, Yasmin, and Samina are now more suspected by me and you than the group as a whole. Sven is dead even on 4, and Lennart, Katrine, and Analosa are less suspected by the two of us than the group. Nearly half of the group has Lennart left as number one suspect. The lowest score you could have on the tiebreaker is 28. The current lowest score is 33, scored by two people, which is Holgermatt and JDO. You are on 38 points, and I'm on 37, and we are both below average, because 39 is now the average. In our pool, you lost your second team member in Noah, leaving you with Yasmin, Samin, and Sven. I still have Analosa, Katrine, Lennart, and Philip. 
And that is it. Have you got anything else you want to say? Nope. Cool. In that case, thank you for listening to our Demol Velzi recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the brand new mole in Germany. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us on contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Logs of Kowaki, and I am MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Natalia, and for this week, Jack, for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next to flavoring.